I'm Jane Velez Mitchell, New York Times bestselling author and TV journalist. And this is Unchained TV's Voice America podcast. For the next hour, you will hear the solution to most of the problems that plague our world. And it's a solution mainstream media ignores, even though it only requires us to make one simple change. Want to know what it is and transform your life? Let's get started. Hello, everyone. Jane Velez Mitchell for Unchained TV on Voice America Radio, Facebook, and all over the place. We are so honored and delighted to have Cheryl Leahy, the executive director of Animal Outlook, on today. This is an extraordinary animal welfare organization that has broken some of the biggest undercover investigations ever. And now they have a cause to save Prop 12, which is something that California voters passed overwhelmingly back in 2018 that says basically animals on factory farms should have the room to turn around. You would think that anybody who is civilized would say, of course, animals should be able to turn around and at least scratch themselves. But no, there is something called pig gestation crates Don't take my word for it. Google pig gestation crates. Take a look at the videos. You will fall off your chair. It is institutionalized torture. Uh, I defy anybody to describe it any other way. Uh, Cheryl, please tell us what your incredible organization is doing to help the Californians who spoke loudly and overwhelmingly in favor of compassion keep Prop 12 in place. Thank you so much for having me on, Jane. I think it's really crucial that you're doing this work to spread this word because really at the at the end of the day what this is about is the right of Californians and the right of citizens to go to the polls and vote to say I refuse to be complicit in animal cruelty. You know, I mean at, at the end of the day this is about animal cruelty and animal cruelty that's so widespread and as you say as you say just so horrific that immediately people get it. I literally have never had a conversation with somebody and explain what the gestation crate is. And they said, oh, that's fine, right? So just to give you the lay of the land a little bit, this is Proposition 12, which I'm sure many people had heard about at the time. It was a very, very big news story. It was a very ambitious and um, probably still to this day, the most, the strongest animal protection, farm animal protection law. Um, You know, and and in addition, it was passed by voters, direct, you know, uh, voter uh, law, and not all states have that opportunity. So what Proposition 12 was and is, um, is a way to say, if the animals are confined, and this is pigs in gestation crates, as you mentioned, um, egg-laying hens in so-called battery cages, and calves in the veal industry in so-called veal crates, if they're confined in those manners, they cannot be produced that way in California. And if they are sold in California, if the industry chooses, elects to sell them in California, uh, they have to be compliant with these space requirements that Proposition 12 lays out, which eliminates the possibility of using these three different types of crates. So that actually is a, is a follow-on from an earlier law, Proposition 2. And there's also a number of states eight other states that uh, ban gestation crates already, and you know some mix and match of states ban battery cages. So it's not 
you know, totally new, but it's, it's a really, I think, strategic and focused um, effort to address some of the absolute worst widespread cruelty in the animal ag industry. And what happened and is the- I'm, I'm going to jump in really quickly because when we get callers, we like to take them right away. Otherwise they vanish. Uh, Susan in Fort Lauderdale, your question for Cheryl Leahy, Executive Director of Animal Outlook. Uh, First of all, thank you so much for covering this. I remember here in Florida, we banned the gestation crates, and I was part of the signing for that, and how much work everyone put into it, and how the people were so shocked to find out this is still happening today. The average person on the street has no idea. So my question to you is, what can we Uh, people around the United States do to help really make our votes count and our voice count more? I mean, the Supreme Court, we can't, can we contact the Supreme Court or who do we contact to say, no, we want our voices listened to? Yeah, really great point, I think, about how much work went into it and how much of a groundswell of public support these, these laws have. Florida actually kicked off all of the gestation crate bans in, in the country and the different campaigns that went into them. But I think it can't be overstated how much people really, really get it and they oppose this kind of cruelty. I think there's something like, I actually did research on this across cultures, across countries, something like 97% of people, no matter where they're from or you know what their cultural background is, oppose animal cruelty. And so when people really understand this is what's happening and this is what's happening on such a wide scale, um, they, they get upset and they want to stop that. They don't want to be a part of it. And I think that's really the point of what Proposition 12 is. It has that important direct potential impact on animals, but it also has that symbolic impact that says, look, this is something that the majority of people, the vast majority, can you imagine another issue that people would agree on to that level? 97% of people opposing it. And in fact, specific to Prop 12, recent, recent polling said, of voters would want Prop 12 to be the law in their state. So that actually breaks down 83% of Democrats, 80% of independents, and 77% of Republicans. So imagine another issue that that had that much widespread support. And then you literally have people like you going out on the streets, talking to people, educating them, getting them excited about this. So to answer your question, I think that this is our moment to do that again, right? We really need to get people to understand what's going on we need to get people to understand that the, the ability for them to use their vote and use the normal democratic process as legitimate way that we enact policy and oppose things that we disagree with, that we think are, are problematic, um, is under threat. I mean, they're going, of course, you can't go to the Supreme Court and you know, directly ask them for things. One thing we've done at Animal Outlook is we created a petition. So regardless of what the Supreme Court does, you can go on our website and sign a petition asking for a nationwide ban on gestation crates and our nationwide adoption of Prop 12 standards. That seems to be something, as this poll shows, that people would like to do. I think if we tell Congress that we want that, you know, that's something that we can do. But I think even a, even a bigger thing to do is use this as an opportunity to educate and to really show just how much animal cruelty and animal agriculture are really one and the same. They really can't operate without the cruelty. So this is going before the Supreme Court in October of 2022, and there are friends of the court briefs, you're part of that, correct me if I'm wrong. Um, Do you get to show, 
The thing about pig gestation crates is no words can describe them, yeah. but a video really shows the horror. And thanks to organizations like Animal Outlook, there is video of these massive warehouses with tens of thousands of pigs in these crates, unable to turn around, chomping at the gates in front of them, breaking their teeth because they go mad. And pigs are one of the most intelligent animals. I mean, uh, after primates and elephants and dolphins, they're right up there. They're highly intelligent, much more intelligent than dogs. Is there a way to play a video to the Supreme Court? Because I understand that one of the friends of the court briefs, my friend Brian Pease, who was an attorney out of San Diego, filed one, and he told me he put photos in there. And that's great, but nothing will have the impact of a video. Is there a way to somehow figure out how to justify playing a video before the Supreme Court? Because honestly, they're human beings, and I defy anybody who is not sociopathic not to have their heartbreak when they look at this. Yeah, I think I 100% agree with you that it is about that visceral, visual, that feeling. I mean, those animals literally are losing their minds, you know, going through this. Imagine it's a 500 pound animal. It's being put into basically a little bit wider than an airline seat for the animal's entire life. I mean, now, just to be clear, gestation crates are the focus of Proposition 12, not farrowing crates. But the way that the life works, the practices work in the industry the animals are moved between one and the other for years, for their entire life. I mean, this is how they live their entire life. So, but quickly, I'll just tell you a little bit about them just to get everyone's bearings about the Supreme Court case. And then I'll, I'll go into your question. But um, basically the state of California is a defendant in the original uh, case that the pork industry took against Proposition 12, trying to nullify the law. A number of animal protection groups, including Humane Society of the United States, Animal Equality, actually I have a list here, Animal Legal Defense Fund, Humane League Farm Sanctuary, Compassion World Farming USA, and Animal Outlook actually intervened as defendants in the case. So we're actually part of the case. Now, there's been a ton of incredible amicus briefs, as you mentioned, coming in in support of the, the state of California and the animal protection groups and really the public, right? I mean, this is obviously the... Um, the position that most of us would take. Now, there has been great imagery coming from our investigations and from other investigations and videos um, put in and linked into those amicus briefs. The Harvard Animal Law Program did a great job pulling together all of these materials and saying, look, this is the reality. And it's not just gestation crates, but what we know from doing these investigations and from other groups' investigations as well is that other cruelty comes along with the gestation crates, right? Not just, oh, they're confined and they're mentally being deprived. They're also physically being deprived. They're also getting things like prolapses where their you know, intestines are coming out of their bodies, right? And they can't, they are not getting any medical care. They're also dying in you know, these horrible ways. And then, you know, you look at the rest of the, of the practices that are happening in these breeding facilities. And you're talking about things like um, animals having their testicles ripped out by hand oh, where the, they're causing ruptures. The workers are pushing them back into the bodies of the animals while the whole time they're obviously screaming about this, taping them back on. And oh. then sometimes they die anyway. Mm. In, in some cases, they're also then forced to be cannibals where the animals are then, the intestines are pulled out of the dead piglets fed back to the, to the pigs. Oh my God. And that is that 
Yeah, that's that's in a health situation that is very, very for the consumer. It's not a good thing, to put it mildly. I'm going to jump in because we've got a couple of callers here. Paige in Los Angeles, your question or thought. You know, having watched um, Pig Little Eyes on Unchained TV, I have to say I have a whole new understanding of the intelligence and the socialization of animals. Pigs, the show features pigs. Cheryl, here's what I want to ask you. As a regular consumer, someone who is vegan already, what can we do out here to protest or, you know, what what can we do um, to take action to um, stop this from uh, being reversed and, and, and so forth? Thank you. And we're going to take one other caller while we have. Thank you. Great question, Paige. Lindsay in Los Angeles, your question or thought for Cheryl Leahy. Hi there. Um, yes, I have just a couple of things I want to say. First of all, I did participate in the campaign as a volunteer for Prop 12, and we were elated when it got passed. <clears throat> Excuse me. And it's just incredible that um, I just wonder, they're fighting it so hard because would it totally disrupt the entire business model to the point where they're teetering on bankruptcy and this would just send them over the top. That's my first question. The second part, um, I was wondering, will there be like a tweet storm or something put together that we, all of us that are vehemently opposed to this, could participate in so that we could help to uh, raise awareness and possibly get the Supreme Court to look at some photographs of, of what actually, or a video of what's going on? Thank you for listening. Bye. Thank you. Good questions, both. Take it away, Cheryl. Yeah, I actually, both of your second, the second question and the first caller's question are sort of similar, sort of what can we do? And I think, you know, there are specific actions we can take. A tweet storm is a great idea. We definitely have tweets that we can, you know, help you with and that we've got out on our materials, Humane Society and others do the same. The the oral argument for this report is on October 11th. I think between now and then is our time as people who care about animals, which is most people, and as people who also are educated about this to help use, use this as, as a sort of springboard to educate others as an opportunity, as a moment of saying, this is really important to us and it is under threat. And this is what it's really about. And I think it all comes down to the cruelty. It all comes down, as Jane said, to the visuals, to the videos, to the images, to really getting that sense. A picture you know, speaks a thousand words and really being able to say to people, look, this is what the industry is trying to be able to continue doing. You know, if it elects to sell in California. It doesn't want to have to be told what to do. And I think, you know, it's a bigger, there's a bigger story here, right? The, this is an issue that is about one of the worst, obviously bad, widespread cruel practices in the pork industry. It's not as by far, not the only obviously bad widespread cruel practice in the pork industry. And it's not as though, you know, if every, if gestation crates were gone, there wouldn't be cruelty, but it is a great story to be able to see. It's a great sort of opportunity to look into the mindset of the pork industry and the power dynamics that are at play between the government and the pork industry and the public and the voters to basically say the pork industry feels like it shouldn't have to comply with a perfectly legitimately democratically created law and what people actually want. They don't want to have to be told what to do. They don't want to have to account for animal cruelty issues. And that's just not how people think. That's just not okay with the rest of us. 
So I think we're able to tell that story and we're able to say, look, like, how else are we supposed to be addressing animal cruelty if not through legitimate policy and, and democratic process, right? The, if the industry thinks they can do an end run around that, or at least makes this attempt, right? And we don't know what will happen to the court. Of course, we're, we're addressing that and working very hard there. But the bigger story for, the, for everybody here is to say, look at what's happening here. You know, we all agree this is a terrible thing. Now let's make sure that we're able to protect our right um, to oppose it and to not be a part of it. Wow, this is a hot button issue. We are here with Cheryl Leahy, the executive director of the incredible animal welfare organization, Animal Outlook. Simone from Los Angeles, your question or thought for Cheryl Leahy? Well, first of all, over the thank you for all you're doing. Over the pandemic, I actually became extremely involved in pig rescue. And while I always knew that they were smarter than dogs and smarter than average toddler, you know, once you actually meet them one-on-one and and see how they react and you see that they have different sounds, different squeals and different oinks for different words and that you can teach them things and that they pass all of these scientific tests, it becomes even more um, heartbreaking to see that they're trying to overturn this. Um, It's sort of, my question is piggybacking on what um, Lindsay said. I feel like social media is the most important tool that we have and I would love it if after this is um, is out there on Jane's page, if we could literally have any individual names that we can tag on social media along with the videos. Because I always look at it as let's not, you know, let's not vilify people before they've made their choice. Instead, let's thank them. You know, thank you so much for considering, you know, keeping this in line with what everybody in this country, not just California, wants which is to keep these gestation crates off the menu, out of, you know, out of the world of animal agriculture. But again, I understand they, they believe that this opens the door to every atrocity that they're doing, and that's why they're coming down on us also so hard about it. But I was just suggesting if there's any way to let us know exactly who in particular to tag and to tweet at or to tag on Instagram or make TikToks about, I feel like that could be really important. Uh, Simone, that is excellent. I, I want to jump in for a second and say what I'm hearing and what I've come to know is, you know, asking people to write letters, forget it. That's 20th century. Um, and really, it's just a numbers game. And it's also a celebrity game. Like if we could get one celebrity to to say this is. This is. Beyond the pale torture it must end, do your job, um, or something to that effect, and then have that go viral, uh, that might actually get their attention. The shameful thing is that the U.S. government has apparently sided with the pork industry. Uh, this blows my mind. We've got one more caller, and then and then I think we've got enough callers. I, obviously, this is a very hot-button issue, but we're seeing sort of a convergence of, like, we want to do something, and it's probably going to have to be on social media, and it's probably going to have to be very organized, and it's a tweet storm. TikTok, I know, you can get very quickly millions of views if, if it's the right content and have it go viral. So, uh, Sarah, your question, Sarah and Beverly Hills, your question for Cheryl Leahy, executive Hi. director. I have a question. 
Is the hearing going to be able to be live streamed? Like, would we be able to go on to some type of a website for the Supreme Court and watch the hearing or listen to the hearing? And I believe you can. I believe you can to, listen to the oral. What can we do right now uh, about getting this out to where they could have a lot of media at the hearing outside of the actual Supreme Court? Thank you. Good question. I think you're allowed to hear, but you can't see, right? Is that yeah, the- I think they still have COVID restrictions even going into the court, um, but I think you can hear online. And actually, I mean, related to the other question too, I mean, I, I think what's so interesting about this story is if you look at who has supported Prop 12 and even Prop 2 before that, and who has been writing amicus in favor of, the, of Prop 12, it's such a diverse set of voices. And you can identify who these people are, even if you go and look at all the different you know, associations and individuals that supported Prop 12 back in the day. If you go look through, you know, all the, the really interesting, fascinating read to go through the amicus briefs, and you, know, you can look at obviously the other briefs in the court, you can all, that's all on the Supreme Court's website. Those could be your way of understanding the different perspectives and how different people with very different points of view about the world have also decided that this is unacceptable behavior. It's not just animal activists. It's not just people who kind of already get it or have spent a lot of time with pigs and really understand it, right? It's just something that people immediately understand. Now, in terms of social media outreach, um, you know, really, as Jane mentioned, the Biden administration, U.S. government decided to side, you know, with the, with the pork industry. Our petition at Animal Outlook is asking the U.S. Congress to make this a national standard. And it seems like that is something that if the sort of systems of justice that we have in place and the systems of democracy that we have in place worked and we're actually functioning to you know, reflect the opinions and the priorities and the values of the people of this country, I think we would see that. So that's the disconnect. That's something that we really can push on social media. Um, like I said, we have a petition on our website you know, that we could do that. The other thing is we have tons of images and we have tons of videos. And that's something we're always happy to share and have people share you know, make into memes or talk about in TikToks. We have investigators who've been into these places. We've even done, we have two other lawsuits against the pork industry and the U.S. government, federal lawsuits that are going on with other animal organizations, one for high-speed slaughter issues and one for downed pig issues. I mean, the, the pork industry, this is not just, you know, the only thing that they do wrong. There's constantly things that the pork industry is, is really, you know, operating on exploitation. There was very interesting lawsuits against the pork industry for nuisance neighborhood neighbors in North Carolina of, of large pig farms um, having to deal with horrible you know, smells and everything else. So th- these are things that are opportunities. And I think this Supreme Court case is a huge opportunity to tell the story. Everybody you know, has the ability to influence the people around them, their own friends and family. And then of course, really get the word out and show these images and ask for this to be, you know, a federal standard. Well, yes. And I think, uh, you know, an orchestrated campaign would be ideal, but I don't know that it will influence uh, the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court, I just want to clarify, because I think this is so important. They will be able to view the videos. In other words, everything's sort of happening remotely now, uh, much more because of um, obviously the pandemic, but- Uh, do you have confidence that the Supreme Court justices will actually look at these videos? Because I think that that's really important. They are linked in the at least some of the amicus. Um, so, you know, obviously we can't say what is going on in there. And I'll just say, you know, 
it's not our job as the public to try to influence the Supreme Court, right? Like that's happening. At, there's some really excellent lawyering going on. That's happening. And there's, you know, you can, you can kind of as a spectator, look at some of those arguments and it's fascinating. But what this to me, this case really does for me, I mean, I take my kind of lawyer hat out and look at this as, you know, look at the progress that the animal protection movement has made and look at where we are with this, you know, moment of, of opportunity and moment of potential threat to this law. This is our opportunity to tell the story. This is our opportunity to kind of get into the streets and get into people's social media feed and have conversations about why this is important. And it's not just, people who care about this often feel isolated and they do not need to feel isolated because we're in the majority, the ultra majority, right? I mean, this is not something that just a few people here and there care about. We need to get this out into the world and not let the pork industry get special treatment and not have to kind of abide by the progress of society. And I think that's the story that we need to be telling, you know, just sort of alongside and parallel to the fact that the Supreme Court case is happening. It's sort of a platform to be able to put a real spotlight on the cruelty issues. And we are happy to do that. And we do that all the time. But the New York Times, the Washington Post, CNN, uh, NBC, ABC, um, they're they're the organizations that should be covering this. But as we know, advertiser based media, which is essentially almost all media today. Well, look who keeps the the lights on. It's uh, fast food and pharmaceuticals. So you have the government aligned against this. You have the media, which looks the other way at these important cases quite often. I mean, this should be front page um, news. And uh, unfortunately, it's not. And that's one of well, that's one of the reasons we started Unchained TV uh, to try to do an end run around this mainstream media blackout. I know it well because I was in the mainstream media for 40 years. And so. Uh, it's very hard to get um, these very crucial issues for human health, for the compassion and the cruelty to animals, for uh, climate change, for, I mean, obviously animal agriculture is a huge contributor to climate change. The Biden administration says it wants to uh, do everything it can to mitigate climate change. And yet it is subsidizing this industry to many, many billions and sided with the pork producers against the the will of the California people. I mean, here's why it's so important. Maybe you could elaborate on this is that California, if it were its own country, is the fifth largest economy in the world. So when California says you can't sell it here, what does that do? Yeah, I mean, well, first of all, 100%, 100% about the sort of importance of mainstream media p- taking this on. I, I really hope, especially in the lead up to the oral arguments, that this is one of those cases that will break through that blackout. I think this is something that has, you know, big enough implications and, you know, a deep enough history to be interesting to these large outlets. And if you looked at the media around Proposition 12 when it was happening in 2018, you saw quite a bit of interesting, you know, mainstream media LA Times editorial board and, you know, everybody kind of really um, talking about this. I think of any single animal farm animal protection issue, this probably is the one that the average person who never touches this issue has heard about and really understands some to some degree what this is about. Um, So I think, you know, I, I think we do have some hope that, you know, this will be a platform to further tell that story. Well, I'd just like to say we invite the pork industry uh, on any time. We would love to dialogue with you about this issue. What's interesting is 
arguably one of the or the largest pork producer, Smithfield, is actually owned by a Chinese company. So it's a Chinese company. All right. The largest pork producer, Smithfield, bought by the Chinese uh by a Chinese uh, company. So that's another aspect because people love to say, well, you know, jobs, well, the profits are going to uh, a Chinese company. Yeah, I mean, the, if you really look at big animal ag, right? I mean, you, you re- realize how concentrated the power and the money and the influence really is. And they don't like to be, that, that they don't like for that to be obvious. So the same reason that this is all hidden behind closed doors in terms of what they're doing to the animals and people like us have to go out, you know, who are you know, funded by donations, right, have to go out and expose it um, and, and get people to really understand the truth of what's going on. You know, there's a number of other harmful, widespread things that are happening in the industry. And it's just part of their playbook to, you know, ask for special treatment and to sort of hide and mislead about a lot of the negative things that they're doing. But I think that one of those sort of misdirection things is about the point you're making about California. You know, people like to spin this as though California is this sort of, you know, liberal outsider. That's not the case. I mean, of, of the states that have the gestation crate bans, um, you know, some of them are red states, some of them are blue states. And then we look at this survey and you see it's across the aisle. It doesn't matter what your political affiliation is, huge, huge support for Proposition 12 and huge opposition to animal cruelty in general. So it's our job to make that connection that animal cruelty and animal agriculture is really one and the same. It's a standard practice in animal agriculture to commit widespread cruelty. Uh, Well, we're going to have another completely different subject, but it's related on the other side of the break. But I want to ask you very briefly, what happens if you lose at the Supreme Court? It's not like all of a sudden it's just over, right? It goes back to an appeals court is my understanding. Uh, I'll just say it depends, which I realize is a frustrating answer. It depends. It depends on a lot of factors, including why the Supreme Court, if they were to side with the pork producers, why and how they worded it and what they're going to be asking the state court to do. So we just can't speculate at this stage exactly what will happen. Wow. Well, um, gee, nerve wracking. We're going to take a short break here on Voice America Radio, but we're going to stay live on Facebook. You are talking to and listening to Cheryl Leahy, the executive director of Animal Outlook. Please support Animal Outlook, one of the most amazing animal welfare, animal rights organizations in the United States with a global reach. Stay right there. We'll be right back. sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for us at keyword Voice America. Tune in to the Tony D'Urso Show with key influencers for entertaining and thought-provoking weekly discussions with some of the top stars in their fields. From business, sports, and science to entertainment, music, and literature, Tony's guests share their success and give their wisdom. If you're looking to manifest your vision and see how others have done so, be sure to listen to the Tony D'Urso Show every Friday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device. 
including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. It's time to unlock some of the best-kept secrets in health, wealth, and happiness. Are you ready to live your life to the fullest and hear insider tips from today's experts? Then tune in to The Forbes Factor with celebrity TV host and inspirational icon, Forbes Riley. She's a best-selling author and TV fitness expert, and you know her from QVC and HSN. Now she brings her expert advice and guests to the Voice America Influencers Channel. Tune in live every Wednesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time and 2 p.m. Eastern Time for The Forbes Factor. We get Guaranteed, it will be the best hour of your week. We don't follow, we lead. Join us, the Voice America Influencers Channel. Welcome back to Unchained TV on Voice America Radio. I'm Jane Velez Mitchell, and you are now re entering a portal to a transformative way of living. All right, we are here with Cheryl Leahy, the executive director of Animal Outlook, which is an incredible organization. Just Google Animal Outlook and you can go to their website and get involved. This organization is now suing the American Heart Association for heart healthy check marks, heart healthy check marks on beef, on roast beef. I went and looked and I was sort of shocked. Chicken, roast beef. Now, there is a direct connection between uh, animal products, which contain cholesterol, which leads to plaque, and heart disease, which is America's leading killer. Let's put pandemics aside for a second. One out of every four people, is my understanding, die of heart disease. So take it away. What What is this lawsuit about? Well, I think you really nailed it when you printed that page out and emphasize the word trust, right? So it's about trust and it's about buying that trust. So once again, when you get, we have these opportunities to kind of open the curtain a little bit and see what these major industries are doing, we get a sense of their playbook and we get a sense of some of the very misleading and, you know, very sort of, you know, greed driven things that they are doing. And in this case, what the, the lawsuit is basically alleging is that the American Heart Association, which is obviously a very trusted organization, and in the name, you would assume that their number one mission is to protect the heart health you know, of Americans. And it, it's not disclosed to the public that this heart check uh, mark is something that the beef industry actually pays the American Heart Association for. So it's this, this, this paid off trust. Now, don't read anything into the fact that the lawsuit itself focuses on beef. There's, you know, that's just sort of, you know, you got to make your choices with legal arguments. But the, the American Heart Association itself, as recently as August, has published studies in their own journals that say, you know, just exactly what you said, eating meat is linked to heart disease. They've made a number of comments, public studies that are, is taking a you know, negative view of meat eating. And, you know, again, the lawsuit focuses on beef. Um, and then here they go and allow the, themselves that sort of trust to be purchased and paid off. Complete ignorance of consumers by design. 
um, who obviously must, re- I mean, if I were, if I were a meat eater, right, which I'm not, <laughs> and I was going into a store and I saw this, um, or I was reading their YouTube or their website, right, um, or their Facebook, I, um, you know, I would think that this means something of substance. I would think that it means that this is healthy. Um, and it's just, that's just not the message that's being communicated, especially you know, I would be shocked if I knew that it was just something that the, this massive charity was willing to accept money from the beef industry to do. So yeah. that's at the core of this case. Yeah. And I want to uh, invite the American Heart Association on any time to respond or comment, just reading from their website. Uh, it says a 2014 research study found that people who report eating foods that meet heart health the heart check certification requirements are more likely to eat healthier and have fewer heart disease risk factors. And um, all nutrition requirements comply with federal regulations for coronary heart disease health claims. Program staff validate that products, nutrition facts, label values meet heart healthy or heart check nutrition requirements. So basically they're saying nothing to see here. It's all fine and good. But uh, what is your response to that? Well, I mean, the, the lawsuit, you can go into great into detail on our website. You can see all the complaints, but basically it, all of that is essentially a way to reassure a consumer that goes through the effort of going to the website and trying to really understand what the logo means, right? And they're still being told, hey, everything's fine. And, you know, it meets these standards. Well, in the lawsuit, what we're alleging is basically, well, those standards are not any different than the basic government standards. As, as a consumer, reading that, I would probably expect that it means something higher, something more, you know, interesting and more, you know, um, difficult to, to meet. So the, the real key issue here is this pay to play relationship in the lawsuit. But I think the bigger story here is about what, what this is doing, what this program is doing, allowing the beef industry basically to buy the trust of, of consumers um, for the effort to get this information out to people, right? For the effort to, I mean, what we do, obviously you and I, Jane, grabbed onto this issue of being vegan because of the animals. Lots of people also grab onto the issue of being vegan because of health. And it looks like about the same numbers come to not eating animals, uh, and about equal number come for health reasons as do for animal protection reasons. And then you see a lot more recidivism in health people so if, if our job is to really get true and accurate information out to the public and help people feel empowered to kind of speak from their values, to speak from their desire to be healthy or their desire to be compassionate or, you know, very strong arguments, their desire to be environmentally conscious um, or even to protect, you know, human rights issues. There's tons of, of issues that factory farming touches. I actually, I even say when I give talks, I say, Factory farming is the largest social justice issue facing human society. And I say, spend some time, you know, educate yourself about this. Or if I'm, you know, giving more information, I'll say, once you learn about this, you realize just how many things it touches. Come back to me with some argument that it's not, that there's some some other issue that's bigger and has bigger impacts than industrial animal agriculture. And no one's ever taken me up on on that offer. But I think this is part of the picture, right? You have people who may want to come to the issue of animal of animal protection and by going vegan and then hear this kind of information and say, well, wait a minute, maybe I'm going to do something that's damaging to my health because, you know, I care about animals, but now I'm in this t- tough spot because 
meat is healthy. Well, meat isn't healthy, you know, and this is a way for the industry to kind of solidify its position, that momentum, that sort of inertia that it has of, well, everything is normal. This is a tradition. People just eat this way. Of course, it's fine. Now let's literally put a stamp on it that says everything's fine. You know, go about your day and don't change any habits. That's a real problem. You know, it's a problem for the efforts of, of, organizations like ours, it's a problem for people who are really interested in improving human health. And it's a problem for consumers who just are not getting the information and they're just being pawns in this kind of game of manipulation. Wow. Well, we have a caller, Michelle in Los Angeles, your question or thought for Cheryl Leahy, executive director of Animal Outlook. Hi, Cheryl. Hi, Jane. Um, I've been listening, and I agree 100% with everything going on. Um, my mom has been hospitalized many times, and when she was diagnosed with a heart condition, I went to the website, and I was shocked to find that under the heart, heart attack and um, heart check recipes, they have a whole section on beef from the National Cattlemen's Beef Association. I'm just astounded, this, this deception so pervasive. Can you, um, can you talk about that and just how, how can we help people who are really trying to find answers to help their loved ones or to help um, people in their lives be healthier? Thank you. Take it away, Cheryl. Yeah, I mean, it's so heartbreaking to also think about this, right? No pun intended. But because really people, these are life and death issues for people. And if they're getting misinformation or they're not understanding, I mean, you know, I've been working in the animal protection movement for well over 15 years. Of course, when, if I were to see the National Cattlemen's Beef Association, I would understand that that is, you know, a marketing arm basically for the beef industry and that that's their real function is to just sell more beef. But if I wasn't in this movement, I might not think red flag when I see something like that. And I think the, the point here is, if the, if the American Heart Association is going to plaster its, not just the products, but its website, Facebook, YouTube, um, with all of these sort of pro-meat or pro-beef messages, it's going to cause that kind of, you know, misinformation and lack of understanding for somebody who really needs accurate information and needs to, to sort of gain that understanding. So I think once again, this is about telling that story. Sorry to interrupt, uh, but where does it stand? Where does this lawsuit stand? Uh, are you going to be going to court? Very early stages. We just filed the case. Um, they are due to respond and they have not re- responded. So that will come up soon. Wow. And uh, we invite the American Heart Association on any time. We would love to dialogue with you about this. Reading through their website, they make a point of saying no donations are used for the Heart Healthy Check Certification Program. Um, but maybe donations should be used instead of having the industries uh, that are benefiting from the Heart Healthy Check pay for the program. You've described it as pay for play. Yeah. I mean, this is sort of the evil genius of it, right? I mean, if I were (laughs) trying to figure out, um, you know, how to sort of be the puppet master of public trust and, um, you know, sort of heart healthy mission or just any kind of, of heart or health centric focus. And I was any industry that I realized was being under, you know, under siege basically from 
movements like ours, um, being able to co-opt that trust and being able to go after a charity. I mean, that's what's so key about this. Like, this is a charity. There are people who give their $25 donations, you know, and they, they get their piggy bank money together and they, you know, I don't know exactly what the different events that the American Heart Association runs, but I think about, you know, like the breast cancer charities with their runs and, you know, the people who will raise money by selling candy or whatever, right? I mean, this is people putting their goodwill and putting their soul into wanting something better for the country. And so the, the idea of what does a charity mean? What is a nonprofit? What is the, the function in society of something that has a mission for public health? Um, the idea that that can be corrupted by the very industry that's causing the damage in the first place. <laughs> you know, really is the thing that should be outrageous to people here. And if that can click for people from this lawsuit, I think you get, you know, not just whatever the outcome of the lawsuit ends up being, but you get a greater sense of empowerment and a greater sense of education uh, from, you know, among the public, which is really, I think, would be the best potential outcome from this case. And again, this should be a front page story on the New York Times. (laughs) Have you gotten the kind of because this is really the challenge is that you know you have the government, you have media, um, all essentially one might argue co-opted by these industries, and uh, so it's spitting into the wind sometimes to try to get this information out there. Yeah, well, I really appreciate what you're doing. I mean, I don't know that I said that earlier, but I really appreciate what you're doing here with this because I think that's exactly what we need to be doing. I, we have not so far gotten national media on this case. I hope that we are able to, um, but we have not had that luck yet. And I agree. I think this is the kind of thing that, you know, I've had friends from, you know, different types of work, you know, different walks of life, email me about this and say, wow, this is incredible. Like, I'm really glad that someone did this. Um, this is outrageous. This is shocking. And I think that's exactly the feeling um, that we're hoping people would, would get from this as long as they have the opportunity to get the story told, to get it in front of them. So we, we really need to get the story out there. What's really interesting is if you look at, like here he is shopping for vegetables. Okay, yeah. <laughs> there's an apple. And then if you go to f- farther down, there's broccoli florets. Um, there is no cholesterol in vegan products. There's right. zero cholesterol. So cholesterol is connected to plaque. Plaque is what clogs the arteries and the vessels in the body. And so there is a direct connection between um, animals who produce cholesterol. We're animals. We produce our own cholesterol. Stop me if I'm making a mistake here. Um, If we have a high degree of cholesterol, it could be a genetic predisposition. But in many cases, if not most cases, it's too much consumption of meat and dairy products, which are high in cholesterol. Whereas plant-based products have zero cholesterol. You can look at every single product that is a vegan product that has zero cholesterol. So you would think that logic would tell you, why wouldn't the American Heart Association go all out promoting vegan products? Right, right. Well, I'll tell you, I'll just say, every time we get blood drawn, I always get some shocked, uh, <laughs> shocked response from the doctors. I've had lab techs write notes on my blood results being like, wow, this is great cholesterol because nobody ever sees cholesterol that low because I've been vegan for 20 years or whatever. But yeah, I mean, I think, I think the whole, my sense is even though we have this incredible 
set of doctors who really are focused on lifestyle medicine and on health and, you know, sort of promoting heart health and other major, the major killers of Americans, basically how to reverse that stuff, you know, that we saw in Game Changers, or there's a number of other um, ways to learn about this, right? That's out there and people can find that. But just as likely, they're going to find this, right? I mean, and, and maybe even more likely because of just the reach and the credibility of a household name like the American Heart Association. So we really have to make sure that that kind of misinformation is not taking over the narrative. I mean, here's, here's a contrast, right? So what I said in the Prop 12 conversation is every person I've ever talked to about gestation crates immediately is horrified, right? Every person that I've talked to about whether meat is healthy, it's, it's a dice roll, whether they're going to say, oh yeah, like, you know, we should all be eating more vegetables and meat isn't healthy. Or they're going to say, no, you absolutely need to have meat. Can, are you telling me that meat is, is not healthy? Like that's so shocking, right? I mean, we're not the same place with the health issues around meat consumption as we are with people opposing animal cruelty. And so understanding the dynamics that caused us to be where we are um, and looking at this, you know, as one major kind of facet of that, I think can help get us an understanding of the story. How do we understand who we're supposed to be trusting? And in this case, clearly a major charity like the American Heart Association, if they can engage in a pay to play scheme like this, maybe we should not be trusting them. You know, and that's something that I think will be news to a lot of people that will be bothersome and should be to a lot of people. And that should also get people to understand how the media industry operates. And some of these kind of lower blows that they're delivering against, you know, truth and consumer choice. And please keep us updated on this lawsuit. We'd love to do a follow up. Um, now, I just want to take the last couple of minutes to talk about you. You're an attorney. And um, how did you get to end up running this very effective organization, Animal Outlook? Well, we have a, I will just first say, we have an incredible team. I mean, you said earlier, we're doing all these things. We have an incredible team. We have four programs. We've got the animal law, legal advocacy program. You know, we've got lawyers on team, on team for that. We've got our undercover investigations, which you mentioned. We have our vegan outreach kind of mainstreaming the, the idea and empowering people to kind of stand in solidarity with animals and, and go vegan. Um, and we have our, what I think of as our supply side work. So our farm transitions work and our corporate changes to get more vegan options. So being able to, um, you know, really build those programs. I had done a lot of work on the legal and the investigation side over the years with the organization and also kind of was able to see what seemed to work. I mean, talking to all these people over the years and really understanding once again, we are in the majority people care about animals. Um, and, you know, kind of was inspiring to be able to build out a more effective, say, outreach program. We, we have all been trained now on the social science principles that make effective attitude and behavior change. So being able to understand how to find the person to talk to, what to say to that person that will really touch that person. And I think that that's really exciting to me. That's something that I wanted to be able to, you know, kind of add value to the movement to be able to help people become better advocates and to be able to express themselves in a way that's going to land and going to engage and persuade people and make people feel like that other person is now excited to go fight for these issues. Yes. Um, amazing work. And of course, with 8 billion humans on this planet, we have to use social media. Talking to people one-on-one -on -one is, is not effective. Um, over the long term. And I personally stopped trying to convince that one 
stubborn person who doesn't want to hear it. It's like, I'm going to let that go and take the energy I have to try to reach a lot of people uh, by doing, for example, Voice America Radio, doing Unchained TV. So where do you think we stand as we come to a conclusion of this conversation? It seems like we are really at a turning point. It is very hard to see progress in real time. Nonetheless, the plant-based sector of the food industry is skyrocketing up 44% in two years, according to the Good Food Institute, and it continues to grow. And then we also have um, the precision fermentation, which is a way of creating huge amounts of food in the way you brew beer or you brew a dairy cheese, but doing it 100% plant-based or with bioidentical uh, meat, which is essentially copying copying the DNA structure, but it's not using animal biopsies. And then there's cultured meat. There's so many things happening. And you have a really good perch to kind of view this entire movement. Where are we? People always talk about the tipping point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, I think your point about not wasting your energy on that one difficult person is a really good one. Um, really at the, at the end of the day, this is about systemic harms, right? So if people start understanding that the animal ag industry exists because it relies on exploitation, there are harms that it inflicts on animals, on the planet, on people that are widespread system-wide. I think if we get to that point and we're nearly there, I think if we get to that point where people really understand this is not a bad apple. And you, you, know, you having been in the media for so long, I think you, you probably have seen this phenomenon where when investigations, for example, first came into, into play, you would have a narrative that was like, oh, well, you know, the, the company says it has a zero tolerance policy for animal cruelty and they fired these guys and everything is fine. Order is restored. Go back to your dinner. Well, they can't play that game anymore, right? They can't play that bad apple game anymore. It's much more in-depth journalism. There's much more of an understanding that this is the way the system operates. It's not an exception to the way the system operates. And as an individual, any individual, to really understand how they can be part of system harm, you know, fixing systemic harms, um, it's just so much more empowering. It's so much more, you know, that groundswell that we need to be able to completely um, hit that tipping point. And I think we are nearly, especially with younger generations, I really do think that we're nearly there. A lot of excitement, a lot of enthusiasm. And really at the end of the day, it's about being empowered. It's about standing in solidarity together and saying, I oppose this, I get this, I get that it's a problem. And I'm opposing it by taking that, that behavior change by not eating animals. And that's our way to kind of band together, be part of a community, and demand a change. Wow, this has been such a fascinating conversation. And I really want to thank you. I know you're a very busy person. And to devote an entire hour to this, um, I can't tell you how much I appreciate it. And of course, you can go to unchainedtv.com and get the article we're going to be posting soon, um, really summarizing this interview, going in depth on the battle in the Supreme Court uh, by the pork industry to overturn Prop 12, uh, the will of the people of California saying we don't want 
institutionalized torture of pigs. You can also follow up on the American Heart Association. The lawsuit against the American Heart Association followed by Animal Outlook would be very interesting to see what their response is, which apparently hasn't been filed yet. So much happening. So please go to animaloutlook.org. I believe that's the website, animaloutlook.org. And you can also go to unshadetv.com and get the very latest. And of course, we always thank Voice America Radio for allowing us to have these conversations. Definitely important because these are the conversations that should be happening on the front pages of the most important newspapers in the world, as well as the most important TV networks in the world, but they're not having these conversations. And the reason is, look at the commercials, meat, dairy, and pharmaceuticals, the three industries that would really suffer the most if people got healthy and started eating plant-based. So thank you for joining us. See you next time on Voice America Radio. Thank you, Cheryl Leahy. Thank you for tuning in. We hope you'll join Jane Velez Mitchell for the next edition of her program next Monday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time and 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Meanwhile, have a peaceful week. 